Hopefully you're in Psalm 23. And uh, what I want to encourage you to do and, and try to do this is to recite the verses that you have memorized. But we're going to read the entire psalm as we've done every week. So you begin with me. Let's all read it together out loud, nice and loud. Are you ready? If you're ready, say you're ready. All right, let's start in verse one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Verse four, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies, and you anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Like I said, we're going to focus on verse 4 this morning, but really, today is really a part 2 to what we looked at in verse 3 a couple weeks ago. Because when we saw verse three, we saw that promise that he, our shepherd, our Lord, restores our soul. And we looked at this idea that I experienced the Lord's restoration, <clears throat> excuse me, when he is my shepherd. That when I see the Lord as my shepherd, I get to experience his restoration and I experience it spiritually because it says there in verse three, he restores my soul. I experience spiritually when I put my trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior that I can't save myself, that I can't do good enough good to warrant a relationship with a holy God because he's perfect and I'm not. And so when I look to Jesus as my shepherd, I realize that he lived, he died, he rose again for my sin, that I experience restoration spiritually when it comes to me being declared righteous before a holy God, but I also experience restoration spiritually as now I begin this journey with the Lord in my relationship with him, and I have the Holy Spirit, and it begins to change me from the inside out, and I begin to desire him more and desire the things that I used to desire less. And so I experience restoration spiritually from the Lord as my shepherd, but I also experience that we looked at two weeks ago directionally because it says he leads leads me in paths of righteousness. Why? For his name's sake. That the Lord is the one that I need to say, Lord, you lead and I will follow. But now we come to verse four. And verse four, if I had to survey people, would probably say that verse four is one of the most well-known verses in all of this psalm. Not the most beloved, but the most known. Can we look at it again? It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I don't know if you saw a theme in the songs that we sang this morning, but they're about God's peace. About how we speak who God is to what we fear. That's not by mistake. And so what I want us to do in this moment is I just want us to stop I know we just prayed, but we can't pray enough, right? And I just want you to take whatever it is, the valley that you're in, the shadow that you're in, the fear that you're experiencing, and I want you to just say, Lord, I want your word 
to speak to the valley that I'm in, to the fear that I'm experiencing, to the shadow that is enveloping me. You pray in your heart as I pray out loud. Lord, I thank you today that we are in the right place at the right time to receive the right word that you have for us if we are experiencing, we're in the midst of a valley. Lord, the shadow may feel thick, it may feel heavy, it may appear dark. We may be overcome with fear. And Lord, we take those things to you right now. We're gonna say to ourselves today, in the time that we have in your word, that we're gonna be ready to receive what you want to say to those things. Because we believe, we say it, Lord, to remind ourselves of it, of this promise that when your word is open, your mouth is open. So, Lord, we're ready to receive what you want to speak to each of us. And, God, may we take what you say and not dismiss it, but receive it and apply it so that we can walk out of these doors experiencing you as our shepherd in a greater way. And it's in the mighty and awesome and powerful name of Jesus, our shepherd. Amen. Here's what I want you to see in verse 4. Not only do we experience restoration spiritually, we experience it directionally. But here's what I believe verse 4 reminds us of about the restoration of our shepherd. That we experience restoration emotionally. Emotionally. Because really, verse three, and the reason why this is really a part two and we're not doing a separate idea to verse three and verse four is because in verse three, at the end of verse three, it says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. But what we come to verse four, what we need to be reminded of is that being led in paths of righteousness does not mean that 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 there's an avoidance of difficult or painful or scary or dark circumstances that we will encounter in being led by our shepherd. There's not an avoidance of that. And you may hear a lot of things out there that may say to the contrary, but you look at God's word over and over and over again and you never find where it says being led by our Savior, our shepherd, means the avoidance of anything difficult or painful in our life. It's important. The valleys of the shadow of death are part of life. I don't get excited about that, but it's a reality. And David knew this. David knew this. The person that's writing this psalm, he knew this. Think about his life and the ups and the downs, and we'll talk more about this here in a little bit. But David knew that. David knew that the valley of the shadow of death was a part of life. And it's so if it's a part of life that we, we need to embrace, we don't need to fool ourselves into thinking that being led by our Savior means the avoidance of the valley of the shadow of death, and if we need to understand this morning and realize this morning that we can experience the restoration of our shepherd emotionally, then here's what I want to give you in these three verses. How to deal with your emotions when you're in the valley. How do we deal with those emotions? And I want to give you three ways. And the first way is found in the first three words of verse four. Look at it. 
even though I. You're like, what's the significance of that? See, I believe it reminds us of the first way we deal with our emotions in the valley. Here it is. Number one, I hope you're taking notes. Number one, admit what your emotions are causing you to feel in the valley. How do I deal with my emotions in the valley? If valleys are a part of life and I have emotions and you have emotions, then how do we deal with those emotions when we're in the valley? And I believe the first way that we deal with them is we admit what we are feeling in the valley. Now, you've heard me say this many times, that emotions are God-given, but they should never be in the driver's seat. You've heard me say that. That they should not be what's leading our decision-making process. But I think oftentimes what we do when we understand it, that my emotions should not be driving my decision-making or quote-unquote be in the driver's seat is we cause the pendulum to swing the absolute other way and by the pendulum swinging the absolute other way, we ignore our emotions altogether. And I don't see that in this passage of scripture, even in these three little words, even though I. See, our tendency is to dismiss our emotions, to deny our emotions, to fake like everything's okay, to push them down, to avoid them, to lock them in a closet, hoping that they'll just go away, and to compartmentalize them. And what happens when we do that, if we are not admit what we're feeling in the midst of the valley, is eventually those emotions can only be kept hidden for so long. And we end up hitting a wall and our emotional deficit is at zero. And that's why I say the first way we need to deal with our emotions is admit what we are truly feeling. Notice that David did not say in this passage of scripture, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though you may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, oh, not me. Like I'm the king, not me. You may, not me. Like I got, I got like, Body armor over my emotions, not me. I'm the king. I'm supposed to appear strong. I'm supposed to appear mighty. No, 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 even though you, even though you may walk through the valley, not me. Doesn't say that, does it? David says, here's what I know. Is even though I, I'm gonna admit that when I'm in the valley, my emotions are at play. Remember, I just, I just told you at the beginning of, uh, of the message just here a few minutes ago that we had the privilege of being down in Florida with our 40-some churches that are part of our church planting network and have the opportunity to be a, a part of, uh, of leading that. And so I'm down there with 40-some churches, and they range in all sizes from like haven't even planted yet to just planted to a year old. The majority of those churches are young churches. And so I'm going into that retreat, and, and Lori and I are going into that retreat, and, and I kick off the 
first night of that retreat, Monday night, and I preached a message on, on uh, actually from Philippians 1, which we walked through about where we need to drop our anchor and really felt like that's what the Lord wanted me to communicate to the pastors because newsflash, you guys aren't the only one that need to be reminded on where our anchor needs to be placed. And so I'm giving that to the pastors, and at the end, I give them three questions that I want them to just talk about as with their spouse to really help them evaluate where their stability is being found. So I came up with those questions. And so I'm in the process and I'm ministering to pastors and I'm talking with them and I'm asking them how things are going and, 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 and trying to encourage them and pray with them and it's not till, what, Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning. And Lori, in so thankful for my wife, in the awesome, loving way that she often does, reminds me that I'm not just here to give, but I'm also here to receive. And she's like, you know those questions that you gave two nights ago? Well, how about we talk about those questions? Like guys can, right? Praise God for our wives. Man. So, so, like, we, t- we, haven't, we, we didn't do that because I'm so busy ministering to other pastors and I'm so busy asking them how they're doing and how can I pray for them and to encourage them. And because and, and, everybody's coming with something hard. Ministry's not easy. And so we're sitting there and we're talking and, and we're talking about different things. And, you know, like, I finally have a point and I, I, I just break down. Like, guys, I don't know, but not the greatest thing to cry in front of your wife. I'm not saying it's not the it's not a good thing, but you don't feel oftentimes great about it. I just broke down. Because I needed to embrace my emotions, what I was feeling, what I was going through, how it made me feel. And I think if we're going to deal with our emotions in the valley, the worst thing we can do is to dismiss them and ignore them and to pretend like everything's okay. And I think especially for us men, and it probably is true for you women as well, is sometimes we say to ourselves, well, if I just ignore them, if I admit what I'm feeling, then I'm weak. But the way that we deal with our emotions in the valley is we first have to admit what we're feeling. I'm in a valley right now. And say that. And say even I'm susceptible to that. Even, David says, even though I. And when you look at the different Psalms that David writes, it seems like David's overwhelming emotion that he deals with over and over and over again is fear. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but maybe that's yours. Fear. I think it's interesting that David writes everything that we find in our Bible is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit is speaking through David, but he's using David's experiences. He's using David's feelings to pen these words. And what we would have missed out on if David would not have admitted what he was feeling. I'm fearful. Listen to these passages of Scripture. Psalm 42, verses 5 and 6. Psalm 42 is a great passage of Scripture to see David and what he's feeling, but yet at the same time speaking truth to what he feels. I'm just going to read verses 5 and 6. Look at what he says. Why are you cast down, O my soul? He doesn't ignore it. 
Don't say, oh, I'm good. How you really doing? Oh, I'm good. No, no, no. I'm cast down. Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Like, this is what I'm working through. I'm going to admit that I'm struggling right now. But then look at what he does. When he admits that he's struggling, look at what then he's able to say. Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Like, I'm going to admit the emotions that I'm feeling in the valley My soul is cast down within me, but look at this. Therefore, because I've admitted what I'm feeling, I'm going to remember you. Psalm 27, 1 through 3, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Why do you think David said that? Because he was fearing. The Lord's my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You know why I said that? Because he was afraid of someone in that moment. When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, that's how he felt, they stumbled and fall. Though a host should encamp against me, what was he saying? That's the way I feel right now. In this I will be confident. In what? That the Lord is my light and my salvation. He's the stronghold of my life. But that only took significance when David first admitted what he was feeling in the valley. And listen to me, the first way that we deal with our emotions in the valley is we have to admit what we're feeling. Here's the second thing that we need to do. Look at what it says. Not only even though I, this is what I'm feeling, but then he says, walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Here's the second way we deal with our emotions in the valley. Allow the shepherd's presence to provide perspective in the valley. Just look at this phrase. I actually want you to yell out, and if you say the wrong answer, no judgment. Now nobody's gonna yell out, right? But what do you think is the most significant phrase in this section? I will walk Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. What's the most significant phrase to you when you see that? You guys are awesome. Give yourself a hand. Very good. You guys don't really care to give yourself applause, right? That was was horrible. But we're just going to chalk that up to humility. You're right. The most significant phrase In verse four is the phrase, for you are with me. You take that phrase out of verse four and you remove the hope and the security of Psalm 23. See, David is able to remind himself even though he's struggling with fear, he's being honest with his emotions. He's saying, this is the way that I feel. I'm not going to pretend I'm okay. I'm not going to lock it in a closet. I'm going to admit what I'm feeling. But when he admits what he's feeling, he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Listen to me. A fundamental rule of being a shepherd, and I'm not a shepherd, but I could figure this out. A fundamental rule of a shepherd is this. Don't ever leave the sheep. 
Like if there's one thing that you could remember, Shepherding 101, Shepherding for Dummies if those books still exist. Don't leave the sheep. Don't leave them. And I think what we're reminded of about how the shepherd restores us emotionally is that he does that by providing his presence with us in the valley. So, cool thing I got to do yesterday, I got to take my daughter Lily driving. Got to, again, to, to do that. And here's the deal, she's, she's been great. So, she's been great. But, you know, I was, she had no idea that I was doing this, but I was asking her. So we went to the Thomas Jefferson Middle School parking lot, like took a little trip back in time to Thomas Jefferson Middle School. It was great to go in that parking lot and think we never have to pull anything out of a trailer again. And so we went into Thomas Jefferson Middle School. We went into the bus area and had her driving around and learning to put it, you know, to get it out of park and pressing the brake and putting it into drive and slowly accelerating and slowly braking and practice turning on our turn signal and just went through those different types of things. And First of all, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I can't believe that I'm doing this already. Like those of you who have already done this, you know the feeling. Like I can't believe that my child is already learning how to do this. But nevertheless, so we're driving home and I'm asking her this question because I was curious and I thought to myself, this would make a great sermon illustration. And so I, I, um, I was asking her, I was like, Lily, if I wasn't in the car with you, Would you have been really, really nervous to do everything that you just did? And she said, first of all, she said a very astute thing. Well, I wouldn't have been able to do it if you weren't in the car with me. That would have been against the law. See, I live with rule followers. (laughs) God knew that I needed that. That's the first thing. I said, I know that, but... But would you have been nervous? Would you have been anxious? And she says, of course, Dad. And I said, why? And she's like, because you were able to tell me what I needed to do every step of the way, and you being there helped cause me to be calm. Some of you may not have done that with your child when you were teaching them to drive, but I'm very thankful that those were the words. Here's my point in that illustration. You don't have to have an IQ of 170 to see where I'm going. See, I was in that car and able to say, you need to do this and do this. And okay, you did that a little, you did that too fast. Or or you can actually, you can actually do this. We can do this. You can actually go on the road and go from one parking lot to the next. Shh, don't tell anybody. But it was the presence of someone who knew what they were doing, let alone their father, that caused anxiety to subside. And David says, even though I'm admitting what I'm feeling, which is important, when I admit what I am feeling, what it does is it allows me to see in a greater way, to understand in a greater way, to be ready to receive in a greater way the awesome presence of my shepherd in the midst of the valley. And that presence gives me tremendous 
perspective. How so? Look at what it says. He says, I walk through. What perspective does God's presence give me? First of all, it gives me this, that the valley is not a destination, but a needed part of the journey. The valley is not the destination in your life. If you're in a valley right now, it's not the destination. Say that out loud. It's not the destination. It's a needed part of the journey. There's a reason why David doesn't say, I stop in the valley. My home's in the valley. This is where it ends, in the valley. No, no, no. He says, I'm walking through the valley. I'm not stopping in the valley. Why? Because this is a part of the journey. It's not a destination. The interesting thing about shepherds in this area of Israel is that what they knew that even though they had to take their sheep in the valleys, which were dangerous, it was in the valleys that there was the choicest meadows. It's where the vegetation was the best. It's where the water resided. It's where the water ran down. So even in the midst of the valley, those, those sheep were able to experience nourishment and refreshment in a way that they would not have been able to experience on a mountaintop. And that's so significant for us to remind ourselves because it is, I wish it wasn't the case, but it is when we are in the valley that we experience the most growth in our walk with the Lord. It's where we experience the most nourishment. It's where we experience the most refreshment, even though we not, may not necessarily like the valley, even though we may be fearful in the valley. The reality is, is when we are in the valley, that's when we grow most. That's when we grow in appreciating and understanding the presence of our shepherd. And the perspective that the presence of our shepherd gives that we need to remind ourselves of this morning is that the valley that we are in is is not a destination. It's just part of the journey. Here's the second observation that we get when we understand the presence of our shepherd. It's that the valley is not death. It's not death. It's the shadow of death. Did you get that? It doesn't say, even though I walk through the valley of death. No, no, no. It says the shadow of death. The valley can look like death. It can feel like death. But listen to me, it's not death. It's not death. And when the shepherd would lead his sheep down into those valleys and oftentimes these caverns, these caverns would also oftentimes cut out the sun from being seen. And so even though it wasn't night to the sheep, it felt like night. And even though sheep are extremely dumb, we've established that fact in this series, one thing they understood was is when it was night, that's when the predators came out and they were extremely fearful. They were at their worst when it was dark. But what keeps sheep calm in the midst of the darkness is understanding that their shepherd is right there with him. I want you to get this phrase. If you haven't written down anything, write this down. This phrase, the valley of the shadow of death does not lead to a dead end. 
The valley of the shadow of death does not lead to a dead end. God knows what he is doing in your life. And if you are in the midst of a valley, it's because he wants to nourish you and grow you and mature you in a way that you could not grow and mature if it was not for the valley. But listen to me, what we need to remind ourselves in the valley, what we need to remind ourselves and that can give us the perspective that we need when we understand the shepherd's presence with us in the valley is the valley of the shadow of death is not a dead end. It may feel like a dead end, it may look like a dead end, but it's not a dead end. See, the valley of the shadow of death is a road to higher ground in your life. Because the only way that you and I get to higher ground is going through the valley first. It's not a dead end. Here's another perspective as we continue to walk through this verse. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Look at what David says. Even though I'm feeling fear, here's what I'm going to need. I'm going to preach to myself. I will fear no evil. See, the valley is not only a destin is not a destination, but a needed part of the journey. A valley is not death, but a shadow of death. Here's the third perspective. The valley is not a place to be terrified, but a place to trust. When we are in the valley and the shadow's thick, and it feels like there's no way out. The shepherd's taken you there for a purpose. And he's taken me there for a purpose. And that purpose has to entirely do with my view of him. The reason why David can say is I will fear no evil is because he's able to say to himself, why can I fear no evil? Because you are with me. And if there's one overriding purpose of being in the valley, it is that, so that we can have a greater view of who our shepherd is. I'm sure your kids are like this, and my kids aren't like this anymore. They're too old. But when they were little, and there was a thunderstorm and a lightning storm, you know, they didn't really like those too well. Your kids are probably the same. I actually love them. They make me sleep better. But my kids did not get that. And so when, when the lightning would be going and the thunder would be rowling, my kids did not like it. And you know what kept them calm? You, you probably did this as well. I would go upstairs and I would lie in bed with them. And an amazing thing happened. They were completely terrified before. But now because I got in the bed with them, got under the sheets with them, laid down beside them, they fell asleep before I did. Why? Because dad was in the bed with them in the midst of the storm. Believe this. Realize this. Remember this. Understand this for the first time. That in the valley, the Lord wants you to learn in a greater way the amazing gift of his presence with you. 
that even when you're terrified, he wants to grow your trust in him. And here's the last thing in the way that we deal with our emotions in it. We're going to close out this verse. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. How do I deal with my emotions in the valley? Here's a third way. Accept the comfort your shepherd wants you to experience in the valley. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What do I receive when the presence of God walks with me in the valley? I receive comfort. When you get in a car accident, God forbid, I hope that doesn't happen, but if you've been in a car accident before, what happens? Two people show up, at least two. The police and the paramedics. And what's so awesome is I look at this passage of scripture and I see two units that God provides when we're in a valley. And those two units are his rod and his staff. What's the significance of the rod? See, a shepherd during this time would carry a rod or it would look more like a club. And he would take that club, and the purpose of that club was to beat away the predators that would come that were trying to harm the sheep. See, a shepherd was no wimpy dude. He was a man's man. He knew how to beat off the wolves. He knew how to beat off the bears. Remember David? When he talks about, man, I killed a lion and I killed a bear, and and that's why I got some credentials to go against Goliath. Shepherds were no wimpy, weak-wristed dudes. They were men, and they carried around a club to beat up anything that tried to attack their sheep. Now, here's the, the, the significance of that, because this rod represents power. And so when David says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me, that even when I'm afraid, I'm going to remind myself of your presence, and I'm going to remind myself that your presence provides power in my life. That I experience comfort. Why? Because my shepherd has a rod. He has power. He's almighty. He's omnipotent. And his awesome power can address anything that would want to attack me and bring me down. Whatever it is in our lives right now that we are experiencing that feels like the valley of the shadow of death, we need to remind ourselves that our shepherd is right there with us. And he has the power to not allow any of those things to destroy us. He has a club. He's almighty. He's powerful. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 says this, The Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Listen to me. If you are allowing the shepherd to lead you, remember verse three? He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Lord, my posture is gonna be you lead, I will follow. That if you are submitting to the Lord, you're submitting to his word in your life, that when you sin, you seek forgiveness of it, you get back in step with him, that if you're allowing the shepherd to lead you, listen to me, you're in the safest place possible even in the valley 
I remember I used to fret and I used to worry when I was a teenager, like, God, am I going to meet the right woman? Am I going to choose the right school? Am I going to know what I'm supposed to do with my life? And I used to give myself such anxiety sometimes, worrying about all of that stuff. And I remember my mom and dad would say, Johnny, if you're obeying the Lord, you're in his will, and his will is the safest place to be. You could be in Iraq right now. Wondering if your life was going to be taken from you for standing for your faith. And there's many missionaries over there that are doing that right now. But they are in the will of God. So they are in a safer place being in the will of God than if they were disobeying God and living in rebellion against God. Did you get that? See, when I'm being led in paths of righteousness for his namesake, I have a promise that my shepherd has a club and he's willing to beat away anything that would destroy me. Why can I experience comfort in the midst of the valley? Because my shepherd has a rod, but he also has a staff. And just like the rod symbolizes God's power, his staff symbolizes his grace. See, the staff was not a weapon of warfare. The shepherd didn't take the staff and beat away the predators. He had a club for that. See, the club was for the predators. The staff was for the sheep. Staff symbolizes God's grace. Because what the shepherd would do with that staff, it had a crooked end to it. And when the sheep would fall into a bramble, or when they would fall into a crevice, the shepherd would take that staff and he would take the crooked end and he would use it to pick up that sheep to get it out of whatever it stumbled upon. And isn't that what God's grace does for you and me? That when I wander away from where the shepherd wants to lead me and I get myself stuck and I get myself trapped and I feel like there's no way out, that when I call for my shepherd, when I bay for my shepherd, that my shepherd is there and his name is Jesus and God's grace is always greater than my sin and he takes that staff and he pulls me up out of whatever ditch I got myself into. We need to remind ourselves this morning that in any valley that we are in, whether it's one that has been brought upon us whether it's one that God has allowed as a trial to grow our faith, whether it's a valley that we're in because of a sinful choice that we made, that God's grace allows us to experience the comfort of the shepherd. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 and 9 says this. We know this well. This is from the Apostle Paul. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. For using the analogy that David gives, my staff is sufficient for you. See, the shepherd's staff is never too short to pull you out of whatever you're in. My grace is sufficient for you. Then look what he says. For my power is made perfect in weakness. What did we say? My shepherd's got a staff. But my shepherd also has a club. 
And his grace is sufficient for me, Paul says, but his power is made perfect. It reveals itself to me when I'm at my weakest, when I admit what I'm feeling, when I admit that I'm low, when I embrace my emotions so that I can feel the presence of my shepherd in a way. I'm not dismissing my emotions. I'm not pretending that I'm not suppressing them and, and pushing them down. No, no, no. God, this is the way I feel and, I'm, and I want to experience your presence and allow your presence to speak to my emotions. And, and Lord, so when I allow your presence to speak to my emotions, Lord, then there's comfort. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Listen to this. Grace is where God gives you what you don't deserve. Grace is where God is good when you are bad. Grace is where he is kind when you are unkind. Grace is where he is loving when you don't deserve to be loved. And he reaches in any way and delivers you. He blesses you anyway. He takes care of you anyway. That's God's grace. I wish I could stand up here today and tell you you're never gonna walk through a valley. Wish I could tell myself that. But valleys are a part of life. Valleys are places where our shepherd does lead us. But he's given us all of himself so that when we're in those valleys, we can still experience the nourishment and the refreshment that our shepherd wants us to experience because our shepherd always knows what he is doing and he never leaves his sheep. So what do you need to preach to your emotions today? What do you need to admit about how you are feeling today? Man, maybe you just need to stop and you need to say, wait a minute, I just need to, I need to stop trying to be everybody else's Superman and admit what I'm feeling. So that I can and am ready to experience the presence that the shepherd wants me to experience. So that I'm ready to have a perspective that can receive the comfort that my shepherd wants to provide. I don't know what it is. But here's what I do know. If you're like me, I needed to take time. I needed to take time with my Lord and let down my guard so that he could speak. So I just want to take a moment and I want to give you time to do that. And then we're going to sing. But I don't want you to sing until you take time to do what the Lord wants you to do. Let's do that right now.